Yes, Father God, we thank you that the war has been won. You are the victorious deliverer, hero. You're the one who's come to rescue us, Lord God. You did that all the way through. You've been faithful to keep your people, keep your promises. I thank you, Lord, that your will be done, O God, on earth and and through us, as it's being done and declared in heaven, even right now on this earth, in heaven, the connection between you, your word, your work, your, your ministers on earth, and the cloud of witnesses in heaven, Lord. Thank you for the angels. Thank you for the loving blessings of Jesus Christ who has promised to keep us. Lord, I pray that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, deed done, or action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, reproach, uh, that the words, the judgments, the curses, the attacks of the enemy will be all turned around and work together for our good. And Father, I thank you now for the protection the shields of God over all of us, over all of the remnant, that the enemy cannot get in, the prince of the power of the air cannot get in to break down our lives, our breath, our, our physical body processes, Lord God, our relationship with you, Father God. Let it all be under the blood of Jesus and protected. Amen. Amen <clears throat> and amen. Well, here we go. Suffering. I know. It's, it's the month of March. So I yeah. thought we would do, you know, kind of topics for a while. And so the month of March, I always think of it as a month of suffering because number one, the weather is terrible. And number two, um, you're thinking of Jesus and the crucifixion, the, the uh, you know, all the passion, the stuff he stuff suffered. So yeah. March seems like a good month to talk about suffering. Well, well it's like, it, it, why should somebody listen to, if we're going to be talking about suffering, that doesn't sound like a real super oh, fun topic, positive. does it? It could be very positive, actually. Well, there's a lot of is. blessings that come from suffering. Yeah. yeah, it says he who suffers has ceased from sin. So there's there's some hidden pieces in there that we're going to get to. Well, But why don't you go ahead and read what you're going to read. Yeah, there. I'll read part of this. If First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 12 he says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you are partakers or that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So he says, don't think it's strange. It's like, oh, man, I'm suffering. How weird is this? Mm-hmm. No, because this is part and parcel to life on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we have to look at is that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world How about a snake pit? Can we call it that? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to call it that. A snake pit of, of, of this world. Yeah, because life. it's it's corrupted in every way. Absolutely, it's it's corrupt. Even nature, as we see right now, is is listening to this groaning and travailing. Yep. Hurricanes, floods, blizzards, all kinds of hor- horrendous, uh, weird things Suffering. going on. The creation is groaning and travailing, Suffering. waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. We're going, yeah, exactly. But going back to the behold, don't beloved, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial as though some strange thing happened to you. He's, but rejoice, he says, 
to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. So there's a couple of interesting things there. Number one, James is talking about that too. He says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So there's a purpose to the suffering. There's there's different types of suffering. I know we're going to kind of break it up and talk about various aspects of it. But there is a place where, and this is really hard to do. This is really asking the impossible. To count it all joy, to rejoice in everything, and to give thanks in the middle of terrible injustices, terrible sufferings, persecutions, accusations, um, crushing, you know, deliberate attacks, maligning your character, persecuting you for righteousness sake or for whatever. And so this is our, a, a mandate. This God says, all right. All right, settle down. Count it all joy. It's going to be okay. It's go- but that's not where our souls go. That's not where your mind and heart go. Well, it go to fear, panic, anger. You know, d- depression, mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. Guilt. Why me? You know. Yeah. Well, guilt's a big one. Yeah. It's be- like, oh, if I would have done something different, then yeah, I wouldn't have had to absolutely. So this. we think that the suffering is from God. Mm-hmm. And here, here, what can I just say this at the beginning that. Everything in our lives, every experience, every event, in all of it, both God and Satan are working in the same place at the same time to do the opposite thing. And so when when you're suffering, God is saying, count it all joy. I'll work it all together for good. It's going to be good for you. It'll bring, uh, you know, refine your faith, You're testing your faith, but it's going to produce patience. But here's the thing. Um, Can I say this about, you know, in the Old Testament, in the wilderness, the people were in that wilderness and they were being tested mm-hmm. a lot to murmur, complain, run out of food. What's going to happen? And getting mad at Moses and where did he go? And now we need a golden calf to lead us and all this other stuff. And, you know, you, you think, um, well, they were, you know, being tested in their carnal wor- world and their physical fears and appetites and bodily needs and all this stuff. They were being tested and in the, the, the course of their being tested, God was being tested. So Satan was using them to test God and to see, you know, put God to the test to see what God would do. And and then in turn, they were ultimately testing God, believing he can't help us. He just led us out here to kill us. All this suffering is just, it was stupid for us to leave Mo- Moses, to listen to Moses, to leave Egypt. It was stupid. And now we're suffering for this, you know, whatever it was we thought we could get free. We should have never done that. And so they're all confused about what's going on. And, and the worse it gets, you're in the desert, you got no food, you got no water, you got no future, no, you know, there's no towns up ahead. There's no watering holes nearby. You got, so what, what are you going to, so they're believe, beginning to believe that there is nothing there for them except death. And that there's, and that God is being, you know, God is mad at him. God's punishing him, and now they're 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 going to get it. But they don't realize that Satan is the one using the circumstances to put pressure on them to test them. And God is saying, "Okay, let's make it harder. Let's make it hard. I can do this." And so, what God was doing is, is delivering him from all these impossible situations, like the rock, the water out of the rock. You know, the water was so powerful it came out of the rock; it actually made rivers in the desert and the manna and stuff. So whatever Satan was putting God to the test, God was saying, I can take care of him. I will. He And God did, but they did not see it that way. They saw it as God is 
testing us, God is making it hard for us. When in fact, it was a Satan that was testing them to test God. Yeah, you have to look at it this way. When there's a, all tests and trials, all difficulties that we're going through are basically geared to, will we trust God? Exactly. Will we, will we continue to trust God? Now, when everything is just when the money's flowing and mm-hmm. everybody's healthy and there doesn't seem to be any problems, well, it's sure we can trust God. But what about when things happen the way we don't think they should happen? Right. And, and things that we weren't expecting, it's like, oh, man, this is crazy. I mean, life happens when we're making other plan, while we're making other plans. And so mm-hmm. will we, that's the issue in everything. If, if, if I'm sick, will I still trust God? Yeah. If, the, if, the, if I have an expensive car repair that I can't, rep- you know, mm-hmm. hardly pay for, will I still trust God? Yeah. Will I trust right. God if the kids seem like they're just going crazy in rebellion? Right. Will I still trust the Lord? And and basically, it's it's trust in the character of God. Yes, and that He is good. Is the issue is okay? God is good, and I trust Him no All matter the, what. Yeah. And and basically, remember what Job said: Though He slay me, even if God kills me, mm-hmm. I'm still going to trust Him. Yeah, exactly. Because He had an awareness we, of the oh goodness of God. But sometimes we think, well, God, why are you picking on me? Yeah. Why yep. are you letting this happen? Are you just kind of like Mad playing me? with me, uh, like a, a cat would be playing with a mouse before they, the mouse mm-hmm. uh, gets eaten up? Uh, so sometimes we, we're, we're tempted and tested in that way. Well, part of it is just, like we said earlier, just living in this world that's just so crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it says here in verse 13, it says, to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So there is a, there's a purpose to the suffering, and it's the kind of like the refining, the polishing, the strengthening, the enduring. It, it's, it's painful at the time, but it's, there's, a, there's meant to be a purpose. And the other part of that is um, that when we're going through suffering, people will watch us, and on it says in verse 14, and on their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. So when people are seeing, like in the in the desert, in the wilderness, they were blaspheming God. They were, you know, not trusting him, like you said. They were the, the test. They were failing their test because they were failing to really believe that God was good all the time. And I think this is the bottom line on a lot of tests: is that you don't really believe that God is good. We have some idea that God. He's sort of good, you know. If you if he's happy today, if you're doing it right today, if you're perfect today. He will be okay with you today. But we don't understand that God is always good, good all the time and everything he does, though it may not always appear good or feel good, it, he is good and he's working all things together for good. So even in the bigger picture, in the children of Israel, for example, when they were going out of the, you know, being led out of Egypt through the wilderness, they were actually being taken to the promised land, to their own home, a place where they could have their own houses, their own lands, their own cattle, their own families. And, but it didn't, at the time of the process, it, you, you, you can get lost in the process. You can get mm-hmm. lost in the process mm-hmm. of suffering. You can get lost in, in giving, you know, blaspheming God, turning back to idols, whatever they all did. It's very, that's the test. The test, like you said, are you going to trust in the goodness and faithfulness of God? Remember God said, I am faithful to complete the work 
I have begun in you. And so many of us don't know that. We just think I'm responsible. It's up to me to make sure I pass my test. It's That's the exact opposite of what it needs to look like in your heart. It needs to look like this is God's problem. God is the one being tested by the devil. And Satan is using me to test God. And I'm not going to let my uh, you know fear, doubt, unbelief turn into a grievous uh, um, rejection of God's goodness and faithfulness. I'm going to believe God because God is good all the time. So the bottom line in a suffering is to know that God is good all the time. So what about, we'll just shift gears here a little bit. What about people that are suffering for their own sins? Let's talking about um, the Galatians, say, chapter um, 519. Well, <laughs> 6-7. Okay, go that? there. That's 6-7. It says, um, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows. That shall that he, he also. Will, that he will also reap. So there are times where we we suffer because of our sins, because we have diso- we believe lies, we've disobeyed God, and there's consequences mm-hmm. to that. What about that now? Mm-hmm. And then some people are really um, just overwhelmed with guilt and regret okay. because, oh man, I it's mean, if, if only I wouldn't have... Or if only I would have. That's a kind of suffering that, that many people okay. are tormented with. Well, I think that comes out of a religious notion of of what's going on. Obviously, God knows everything. God knows we're going to sin. He knows we're going to. What, what that means is He knows we're going to be tricked, deceived by the devil into believing lies, making choices based on those lies, ma- based on choices. Uh, and, and, and deceptions that started with the enemy. The devil is the one who starts this. He's the one who started it. He's the one who tries to separate us from God through fear, through condemnation, through suffering. And, and, so, and so ultimately, we, we start the understanding of the process in the middle of the process. Instead of going back to the point of origin, we start with, well, I'm I sinned, I'm suffering, that's it. You know, it's my fault. I should have listened. I made a bad choice. Uh, and there are consequences. And, and the soul that sins shall die, of, of course. And then you got this one where, um, again, what reaping, you, what reaping, you reaping what you sow, mm-hmm. sowing what you, yeah, reaping what you sow. And so the devil pushes us onto that idea that it's my fault. And if I would have done it different, I would be living in a way better place. But you cannot really, that's not correct. Because number one, Jesus suffered. He was in the wilderness and he was led by the Holy Spirit, not the devil, into the wilderness, be tempted by the devil. And so God permitted Jesus to go in there for his own purposes of refining, preparing him for the ministry. And so you could look around and say, well, I'm suffering. I, I'm, you know, but there's a purpose in, a, in it as well. But going back to the consequences, yes, there are consequences to sin. And who makes sure that you suffer the consequences? The one who set you up in the first place to believe the lie. So now he is justified in bringing his demonic judgment upon you because you were disobedient. And he says, you were disobedient to God. Therefore, I have a right to punish you. But he doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about being obedient to God. He just wants an excuse to be able to to, to bring his demonic judgment upon you and get you to believe it. So that it's not like we say, well, like, like Eve said, the serpent deceived me. Oh no, we wouldn't want to put that on the devil. Oh no, we don't want to give him too much. We don't want to talk you know, so negatively about it. We want to make sure that we take our full responsibility. And Paul says, well, wait a minute though. He says, I'm doing a lot of things I don't want to do. If I'm doing what I don't want to do, it is not me who is doing it. So we've got this 
spiritual dynamic going on where people are under the, the, the judgments of sin. But if you sin, the simplest thing to do is not to do penance, not to roll around in broken walnut shells and curl on glass and and you know, you know, I don't know whatever people burn burn themselves. What do they do to get rid of their sin? Purify themselves. Whatever they horrible, horrible, horrible things. Not from God at all. They don't do anything except hurt you. But what we what God says when you sin, when you get tricked, all right, all you got to do is recognize that you got tricked and back out of it. Say no, no, no. I I can't I cancel out the agreement with that lie, and I cancel out my. Uh, my activities, I, com- I confess them as sin, I believe the lie, and repent. That's how, and those consequences and demonic judgments, you can also ask God to remove them. You know, say, oh, no, no, you, you've got, you, you did all this now, you've got to, you, you, you're going to be struck down the rest of your life because you made a bad decision when you were 15 years old. Really? Is that fair? I mean, that 15-year-old who made that bad decision probably had no parental guidance, had all kinds of demonic influences through the world and media and, and video games and everything else. And, they may, and of course they're going to make a bad choice. Of course they're going to do drugs. Some of them even choose to kill themselves. Very bad choices. Now, I don't know. I wouldn't say they all definitely go to hell because I, I, God knows their heart. He knows the situation. But at the same time, Satan just wants to drag this out and make you responsible for every bad thing so he can keep beating you up with his demonic judgments. However, most people don't even know about demonic judgments. They they say, I had it coming. Well, another thing, too, is that sometimes people, if they say you go through a a divorce and your kids are affected or whatever it would be, whatever decision that you made, um, there's effects of that, okay, and there's effects of that that can be with you for the rest of your life. However, God is able to redeem those things. Right. He, he, you know, all things work together for good to those who love God, who those are called according to his purpose. And I'm sure that there are people, you know, that have made decisions mm-hmm. that, you know, and consequences that have come to them that they're, that they're bearing right now. But mm-hmm. God, like you said, Marjorie, redeems, forgives us. He redeems us. Mm-hmm. He can take what has been so right. He gives beauty for ashes. Right. Works you know, in mm-hmm. Isaiah 61, beauty for ashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here's Works the Works all things together for good. Ashes is like what but people put, would put ashes on themselves when they were mourning mm-hmm. over yeah. something. Lost. You know, somebody that had died or lost mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. destruction. Beauty for ashes. So he he. Re, he takes when everything you know in ashes what's ashes there's just like nothing, nothing left. left it's that when there's nothing left and maybe you're in that situation today you feel like there's nothing left it's like it's just all ugly it's all black it's all horrible Hateful. but listen god is here he is a redeemer yeah and he is one that he he has you you've gone through all these things but listen you're still alive mm-hmm. he's kept you He's kept you when you haven't even realized it, and he's got a, a plan for you, a, f- a future plan that's really good if you'll just, sometimes you just have to say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse mm-hmm. me, renew me, and he will take you from that point into a great place of blessing. All things work together for good to those who love God, and God is able to do that because he is God, and the things we think are so impossible, and and I'm so unworthy, and I'm so worthless and there's nothing left that's that's not even true 
But God wants to teach you that you are precious. He is able to deliver you like the children of Israel out of that wilderness into the promised land. And so we, but we have to give up some of the lies that we cling to, um, the old, the cliches, the teachings. Uh, it's, it's, it's your sinful human nature. It's the flesh. We have to crucify the flesh. We have to kill the flesh. You know, I say, why do you want to kill the flesh? Well, because the flesh is what I'm using to sin and it's my carnal appetite and everything else. You know, but the, but the thing is, I cannot crucify myself. He says, he says, if you want to follow me, he says, deny yourself. He doesn't say crucify yourself. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And that's kind of the process. Denying self means I'm not going to try to figure it out myself, perfect myself, um, uh, justify myself. I'm not going to you know, make excuses for myself. I am going to say, Lord, you know my heart. You know my heart and you're the only one who can make this right. And so that's but part of it is, is surrendering the defense of ourself to the Lord God who knows my heart and knows also that you and I are very vulnerable to the treachery and deceptions of the enemy. And so again, um, uh, so many times we're suffering and actually we're suffering needlessly. We're, have, we are going through needless sufferings. We don't need to suffer those things. We accept, we think we do. We believe that I sin, therefore I deserve to be punished. I deserve to go into poverty. I deserve this pain. I am bad. And so guilt through an implication gets you to agree with his judgments of poverty, pain, and, and, and infirmity. And so many people are believing. And the other side of that coin is people are thinking that they're suffering because it's their cross to bear. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He says, he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But he is the one leading. He is the one perfecting that which concerns me. He is the one doing the pruning. He is the one who's doing the, the, uh, the crucifying or whatever, you know, uh, the, the, ma- the transformation in my life. It's not me. I, I, I let him, I put my life on the altar and I'm a, I'm a living sacrifice He's a sacrifice. He did the sacrificing, but now I'm joining with him in agreeing that he has a right to perfect that which concerns me. And I don't have to step in the way and say, well, you know what? I really was bad. I deserve to be punished. Stop suffering needlessly because you're accepting guilt that is a false accusation. Yes, you did the sin. Yes, you sinned. Yes, we sinned. Yes, we believe lies. Yes, we get get tricked. But now we repent. We confess and we say, okay, Lord, now I don't, you know, People really, they're really taught by Satan to, 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 to believe I've got to suffer. I've got to have pain. Things have got to go wrong. Uh, you know, we, we just believe that because we see it all the time. Well, this is what it must be. This is life. But you don't have to accept that stuff. For example, if you believe that Satan is just dumping stuff on you because he gets to and you don't resist it, I believe we have to also resist the, the negative things that Satan's trying to do in our life because that is also pleasing to God. So, so sometimes, you know, we misinterpret, often we misinterpret the hard things that we're going, going through. through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a time where we just like, I know, I'll ask you this question. There's a time where we can just say, okay, well, this is part of it. This is just something that's this crisis that's going on. I'm just going to rejoice in the Lord and trust God and work my way through it. But are there other times, though, Marjorie, where you just need to come against the enemy because he's bringing attacks and affliction against you? And sometimes we think, well, this is just part of my suffering, and I I can just sit here. I got it coming. I'm just going to kind of bear it and maybe grin then. 
<laughs> later or something or grin, you know. No, but, it's my but, cross to bear, yeah, yeah. there are certain things that we accept Mm-hmm. that the enemy brings that we shouldn't accept. Right, because you know what? Suffering needlessly or under the lie of the enemy does not bring glory to God. And we want to bring glory to God. What brings glory to God is knowing the truth, walking in the truth. And at point, there, there's different, you can't just say all, you know, every, everything is all the same. Some of the suffering God is permitted in our life to rise up against it, to rise up against the injustice, to rise up against the lie in our own lives and say, no, no. I have been forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ is my righteousness. Satan now has no right or claim on my my life. No more justification in in bringing this poverty, this guilt, this shame, this this failure on me because I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So we are that that's standing in the victory of Jesus Christ and giving glory to God. So sometimes we're suffering when. It's not bringing glory to God. It's a needless suffering. It's a. It's you know. It could be. Um, you know, just just a lie that we're believing that we have to say, well, wait a minute, what's the purpose here? And in every every situation that's difficult, obviously the Lord wants to go take you through that, carry you through that, teach you something through that, be faithful in that to complete the work in you. And so the whole point is he's got it, whatever it is, and he wants to show us the truth. Not all suffering brings glory to God. Right. Uh, it says... And uh, they're continuing in First Peter chapter four and verse fifteen. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or or as a busybody in other people, or a meddler in other people's matters. Mm-hmm. So, so he says this is this is this is suffering, yes, but it's not really suffering that brings it's, glory to God. It's out of the suffering that or we've got ignorance, stu- disobedience, stupidity, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ignorance. Even though we did all this stuff willfully or ignorantly, mm-hmm. uh, we God can still redeem us out of those well, kinds of things. How would you discipline or chasten a busybody? <laughs> okay, so look in the chapter twelve of Hebrews. There's there's the chastening of the Lord. That's that's the part of where God loves his children, disciplines them, trains them up, you know, in, in righteousness and teaches us to learn things and and so that that chastening is not for our destruction; it is for our our correction, correction in righteousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so sometimes you know when when these things are happening, maybe people are, you know, you're a busybody and they they pull away from you. They don't want to be friends with you anymore because you gossip. You you're a tattletale. You you know don't hold. You're not faithful to keep. You know, love covers the multitude of sins. Whatever it is, you're just out there and trying to use everybody else's news to make yourself important. And people pull away from you. Now, that would be suffering. And the discipline there would be to, to get you to believe that gossiping actually is not bring glory to God. You know, and many of us do that. We, ju- we don't have enough going on in our own life that we're so bored that we have to pick up on everybody else's stuff and make that all be the big news of the day rather than getting involved in the true work of the kingdom. So, again, God does chasten us. There is a chastening. We maybe we'll talk more about that in in a week or two from now, but there is. But there's also that that he's doing that to raise us up. So bottom line, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit, what are we doing here? Why is this happening? And he might, he might show you, well, you're, it's happening because you are believing a lie. You believe, you know, that you are not good enough. You had it coming. You sinned. 
God's still mad at you. Uh, You didn't really forgive. All these kinds of things where the enemy is still coming after us with an accusation. And so we, we, that's one of the things we need to understand with God, that sometimes um, when you ask him, he's going to say, well, there's an open door here. There's still a mm-hmm. wound here. There's still a trauma here. And Satan is coming in through this wound, this open door, this unconfessed sin, this generational iniquity. All of these things give Satan a lot of uh, things to work with in our lives to bring pain and separation from God. But God does not work our lives you know, such a way as to bring a separation from him. He wants to bring restoration and redemption. And if anything is separating from the love of God, then it is not God, because God doesn't work to separate us from the love of God. Even if you feel like he's not there, he's left me stranded here, I'm abandoned, I've cried out, cried out, cried out. You know, there are also people we have to understand, like Job and Peter, they were, Peter was sifted and, and Jesus came to him and says, you know what? He says, um, Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat. He's come and talked to the father about sifting you because he doesn't think you're qualified to be the leader here. And so I have prayed for you. And then Jesus says, because he's confident, his prayer is going to get answered. He says, and when you are, str- are converted, strengthen your brethren. So there was a conversion process that Peter needed to go through. And part of that was going to be coming through this suffering, through this actual sin, denial, weakness, fear, um, betrayal of God, so to speak. And yet God turned all that around to become a place of conversion for Peter. Then you have the, the Job also. Job was suffering and he didn't sin at all. I mean, God says, have you seen my righteous servant Job? And says, yeah, let me, and Satan says, yeah, let me test him. Let me take, take it, go out and prove to you that you're just overly protecting him. And so with Job, the result of all that suffering, all those in his a lot of it was suffering was his his friends. I mean, he lost yeah. lost his Finances, family and his family, finances yeah. and all these stuff. But then his friends just kind of heaped it on him too. They were doing their best <clears throat> with the understanding they have to find out you must have sinned somewhere <clears throat> here, Job. <clears throat> but what happened with Job is through through all the suffering that he went through. <clears throat> he says, "I at the at the end," he says. I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but but now my eyes see you. So what happens? What's we, what was he saying there? He, he says, a I had respect for you. I, I have love for you and reverence for you. But all through this suffering, I have he received a greater revelation, mm-hmm. not only about who he is, mm-hmm. but who God is. So yeah. the result of suffering Mm-hmm. is to be for us mm-hmm. is that there would be an increased awareness an increased revelation of the greatness and power and the beauty of our Lord God and that brings glory to God and so whatever we do whether you're suffering for righteousness or you're learning from a sin uh, a consequence you're being chastened ultimately bottom line ask the Lord what what's this all about what do you because God wants good out of it for you. he wants to bring good things out of it for you. And, and and sometimes we need to repent in the middle of our suffering. We get mad. We get angry. We, you know, there's an expression that's not from God, uh, murmuring, complaining. Um, and then th- that just gives the devil more, that's like throwing wood on his fire to get his fire burned up and burning you up. So stop giving words and actions and, and, and things to the devil. Just, Job sat quietly. He didn't try to defend himself. He, he just, he didn't know what God was exact, exactly doing. But at the same time, he didn't c- 
come against himself. And I think that's another problem. Job never came against himself. He never says, okay, I'm getting guilty. I did it. You know, he didn't say, oh, yeah, this is what I get for serving God. Yeah, that's real great. You know, he didn't become bitter and he didn't become uh, offended. He, he just was very quiet and peaceful, not peaceful, and I'm sure he was suffering, but he did not give any, any place to the devil in the matter. And that's what the Bible says, give no place to the devil. Don't give him words that he can use against you. Don't give him, um, you know, uh, the murmuring complaint. Trust in the Lord. Now, this is can be a cliche, but really, seriously, stop worrying about how you're going to get out of this and say, God, this is your problem. You know, I am your servant. I mean, I can name on, on two hands, I can name five or 10 major problems, major issues, major walls, major obstacles, major mountain ranges that well, we're looking at, you know, but what is that? The Holy Spirit says, speak to the mountain. You know, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you just have grace for today. So don't be looking up the road too far and say, oh, I'll never get that done. And whatever. You just say, Lord, this is the grace you've given me for today. So Lord God, let us glorify you. Let us rejoice in our sufferings and let us glorify you. Let us learn from this and grow up. Lord God, that the chastening of the Lord brings forth righteousness, peace, and joy in those who are trained by it. And so I pray that we will, for those who are suffering right now, Lord, if it's pain, if it's demonic, if it's a demonic assault that is not intended to be theirs, it's, it's not for them, it's not bringing glory to you, and it's just the devil attacking them right now, I bind and rebuke that spirit of accusation and pain and the lie that they're, they're believing that allows the devil to bring that demonic judgment upon them. And for those who are suffering for righteousness sake, that you're training up in righteousness, Lord God, that you will keep and strengthen them, Lord God, those that have sinned and are suffering under a consequence, I pray that you would give them grace to repent. And I pray for all of us that we would be lifted up, even in this time of trial and tribulation, that you would, in this desperate, dark day, that you would be glorified in our lives. We would love one another and we'd prevail against the evil one who's trying to destroy us. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, we just trust you, Lord, in the midst of all the things that we're going through. We trust you, that you you have been faithful to us you are being faithful to us right now, and in the days to come, whatever it is that we have to face, you will prove yourself faithful to us again. Mm-hmm. You're good. You are the Lord God of all heaven and earth, and you have a great purpose and plan for us that's being worked out. So we trust you. We rest in you. We walk through these things with with just in peace. In Jesus' name, Peace Amen. and rest. Amen. Hallelujah. And so join us at liferecovery.com. Check out the the store, the website, the articles, the opportunities there to learn things. We've got a setting captives free coming up on March 12th through the 18th. Uh, Call us 612-618-5947, 612-618-5947. If you want to register for that, also for those of you who can't come but want to give, we're accepting scholarship donations for that. Um, Again, 612-618-5947. 612-618-5947. And for this week, check out A Case for Righteousness. It's a great and awesome Bible study that you can use to um, walk through uh, and understand a whole lot about what's going on in your world. Yeah, this is it's, it's really great. It's got it even has pictures and drawings. In it. Oh, yes. And the so manuals that's we important, do that. Right. It's a, it's a manual. And you can use it personally. Mm-hmm. You can use it for your family. You can use it if you're leading a, a Bible involved study. in a Bible study in your church or something. It's just a great tool. Amen. God bless you guys and have a great day. 
have an emergency. What is your location? 